You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Wealth Tech on Deck. We try to mix things up on our podcast from time to time. And as we do each quarter, I like to share my perspective on what I'm seeing and hearing and learning as I have the privilege of daily conversations with industry leaders, doers, and disruptors. For this special edition, I'll share my perspective on lessons learned from our collective experience of dealing with COVID-19 over the past three years. It was three years ago this month that we all came to learn what this global pandemic meant and, and what it would do to our daily lives. I've identified five key lessons where I think we all learned a great deal about where we are in the advice business, the fintech business, and where we might be headed. We're calling this week's show what COVID-19 taught us about the future of financial advice. Once again, my friend and colleague, Matt Nolman, who produces our podcast, will be the host for this episode. Matt, the host microphone and chair are yours, my friend. Take it away. Thanks, Jack. It's nice to be on the other side of the aisle. And I'm really looking forward to talking with you about this today. So we'll jump right into it. As we've discussed quite a few times, I think, what's happened over the past three years as it pertains to our business and really all businesses has been nothing short of completely impactful in a variety of different ways. So I'm really excited to hear your thoughts on how the future of advice has changed as a result of the pandemic. But let's start with you identifying those five key headlines on the change we've discussed. And we'll spend time then diving into each of those five key areas. So why don't we start with the first one? Cool. So as we know, COVID started three years ago. It was a harrowing experience for each one of us, our families and loved ones. Here's what, in my opinion, matters. And in the years ahead, will continue to matter. So here goes. Number one, planning matters. Planning for retirement has always been important, but as we will discuss, it has become even more important in light of what COVID taught us. People's lives are more complex than ever. Planning is more complex than at any point before. And clients and advisors will need to be fluid and flexible over the course of not just years in retirement, but for, for many, uh, be decades-long retirements. So number two, purpose matters. As I learned from conversations with so many on the podcast, as well as in daily conversations with friends and, and colleagues, with the likes of people like Ken Dykwald, Ken Sella, Rose Palazzo, John Thiel, Michael Leersh, Amanda Lott, Riley Etheridge, Kimberly Beck, and many others, purpose matters now more than ever. We'll get into that. Control matters. Control what you can. You can control taxes and not much else. We'll discuss that in more detail. We lost a lot of control, it seemed during the, the COVID experience. Number four, human beings matter. Clients want to uh, work with a human being. They want someone who listens, cares, and pays attention to them above and beyond their portfolio. As things get more complex, technology will do the math, present options and next best actions, but clients want a human being, not bots, to manage their money and provide guidance beyond their portfolio. And number five, Managing assets, liabilities, and life decisions in a comprehensive way matters. Again, we'll discuss in greater detail. Jack, that'll give us a, quite a few things to talk about today. And I know we want to unpack each of them and get some really good details on each. So let's start with the first one. Hasn't retirement planning and financial planning always been at the center of providing 
sound financial advice and guidance, or is there something else here that I'm missing? Well, Matt, you raise a fundamental question. No one disagrees. Planning has always been essential and important. It's just not been done very well by too many folks. Somewhere north of 90% of clients don't have a real working plan. We don't like to say it out loud, but that is the reality. So COVID taught us that it is not only critically important to have a plan, but also to include a healthy dose of flexibility in the plan because the unforeseen can, and as we discovered, will happen. So millions have retired early during COVID as uh, retirement accounts swelled, then inflation struck, the market slid, many trimmed expenses and tempered lifestyles. Many recently retired folks went back to work, actually in record numbers. And don't forget where and how we work and communicate has also changed forever. Lives and perspectives were altered, and that will continue to happen in the face of constant, relentless change, especially as people live longer. My conversations with retirees and experts alike underscore the vital importance of advisors working with clients to manage all aspects of retirement, not just their portfolio. Investors have more on their minds. They wonder, how will I deal with healthcare costs? Will I outlive my savings? Will I be able to help family members who need financial support? What will I leave my children and grandchildren? Some can't articulate their worries. Others avoid the topic. They want and need advisors' help in sorting it all out, as Ken Tykewell told me in our recent podcast on the research he's done for Edward Jones. Ken Dykewell pointed out that people are living longer, are conducting themselves differently in retirement, where they want to do some work, some play, some volunteering, some travel, some time with the kids and grandkids. COVID made us all understand that we not only need to plan better, but we need to be nimble and flexible because stuff happens and things change. No doubt. So switching gears a little, I know that Ken Dykewald and other leaders that you mentioned a few minutes ago think that while money is important and seems to be the obvious reason of why consumers seek advice, the most important question that we've heard people ask and that we've examined is what's the purpose of your wealth? And a lot of people don't think down this line, uh, especially all the way through. So why don't you fill us in on why this is so important, especially given the people who have who have reiterated this information to us? One of the things I love about paying attention to the marketplace and research and just daily conversation is that the truth emerges. It just shows up. So as Ken Dykewald described COVID-19, he called it a near-death experience that made many people consider what matters most to them in life. Most people stopped, reconsidered, and asked themselves, so what matters to me and my family? Michael Lears, a good friend who happens to head up advice and planning at Wells Fargo, has had a lot to say about this over time, about the purpose of one's wealth. Michael, of course, has a doctorate in cognitive psychology. He taught behavioral finance at the NYU Stern School of Business, and he built programs and tools at Merrill and J.P. Morgan before joining Wells Fargo. Michael worked closely with John Thiel and Riley Etheridge at Merrill. Together, they encouraged every advisor to ask clients, what is the purpose of your wealth? Today at Wells Fargo, Michael leads a team that just rolled out what I consider to be an industry breakthrough. It's a mobile app called LifeSync. It builds on its financial planning and data aggregation process and has built in business intelligence to keep track of what matters to the client. We have a podcast with Michael coming out soon. I highly recommend listening to it. It's really talk about the future of advice. Michael has captured it. The app is an advisor-client collaboration tool that is designed to present information and options the client really cares about. Over at Edward Jones, they are investing in tech and training to shift the dynamics of the client-advisor relationship. 
Jones hired Dykewald to conduct extensive and ongoing research into what they call the new retirement journey. Survey respondents said money is only part of what they think about. Having a purpose in life, maintaining their health, and taking care of family to steer their financial decisions is what really matters to them. Ken Sella, who leads the Edward Jones branch system, and Ken Dykewald talked with me about this on my podcast. I suggest listening to it. It's actually one of our most popular podcasts. They talk about a lot of very important stuff. I really liked that episode personally, so I would second an audience call to listen to that one. Moving on down our our list, because I know we have a few things to talk about today. One issue that a lot of folks grappled with during COVID was control, or really the lack of control that they actually had. Your third point that you made is that consumers are looking to control what they can and in working at Lifefield, I've come to know and realize that taxes are really one of the only things that you can control as an investor and advisor. So why don't you dive into this a little bit more and fill our audience in on why this is so important? Sure. Investors found during COVID they couldn't control much. They couldn't control health events, the market, inflation, domestic politics, world conflicts. So much was out of their control and felt at times out of control. And as the market became less generous as COVID grinded on, and as inflation took off, it seemed about the only thing that you might be able to control is taxes. Well, as it turns out, taxes are the most considerable and controllable expense in retirement, period. If client portfolios aren't performing and you can't minimize taxes, clients will look for someone who can. There are many strategies to achieve tax alpha. Tax loss harvesting is a start. Asset location has the most impact on accumulating and withdrawing money in retirement. My colleague, Paul Samuelson, explains the value of asset location accelerates as clients age, have larger incomes, and the impact of compounding kicks in. When it's time to convert assets into income, clients want to know all the ways to maximize their retirement paycheck, like waiting till 70 to collect Social Security benefits, as an example. And they also want to know the best way to minimize taxes because they intuitively understand that taxes can be reduced and should be reduced. And if they only they knew how they would do it. To maximize retirement income, you need to master the tax smart asset allocation, asset location, account rebalancing, long-term gain deferral, tax loss harvesting, buying equivalent assets, and using IRA withdrawals to fund Roth conversions. And you need to do this in a coordinated way. Fortunately, I know of a technology company that can help you with all this. So for those that have not caught on to my little joke here, it is lifefield.com that you might want to check out. But point of all this is there is a way to control it. Taxes matter. And so many firms are catching on to that and doing something about it. So managing portfolios at a household level, a unified managed household, or UMH as it's been called, holds the most promise for advisor and investor success over time. And Cerulli just wrote about this last month, and they have said that more and more advisors are moving toward this approach. Some firms are leading the way and challenging those who are, frankly, dragging their feet. So moving on down our list here, your fourth point is that consumers, participants, and clients all want and need guidance from a human being, especially as they move closer to retirement and things become more and more complex as they enter the decumulation phase of their life and so many different rules and regulations that they need to know or follow in order to elongate their runway and make sure their portfolio lasts as long as they want. So going back to the human piece, especially as technology is on such a rise and all of the experiences that we have, especially as they relate to wealth management. 
why is human advice and speaking directly to a human being still so important to this process? So it's an interesting convergence uh, that occurred during COVID. Not only do we have COVID to contend with, but more people retired or turned 65 than at any point in history, upwards of 10 to 12,000 people per day. COVID, by all accounts, and that demographic shift increased demand for personal advice. When you're going to make that move from drawing a paycheck and working each day to stepping out into the unknown, personal financial advice is a requirement, frankly, at least in my mind. And I think most people found that to be the case. What's happened since is uh, only elevated the need for advice for, from those who invest in employer-sponsored defined contribution plans and those with taxable brokerage accounts. Empower CEO Ed Murphy described this trend as the insatiable appetite for advice that is unabated. Again, he was on our podcast recently. I refer you to that podcast, another good one by Ed. Everyone I speak with agrees. Financial advisors won't be replaced with AI or robots. Yes, they'll be enhanced by those capabilities, but they won't be replaced. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics predicts employment of financial advisors will grow 15% from 2021 to 2031, much faster than the average for all occupations it tracks. People crave the human touch, someone with empathy and knowledge with whom they can share what they want their money to achieve for them and their families. Even when technology is doing the heavy lifting, which it has and will, they want an advisor to explain how and why and provide help in determining priorities and the next best thing to do. Forum Financial is an intriguing study in personalizing advice for selected audiences. They happen to focus on residents, fellows, and practicing physicians. Its chief wealth officer, Bill Martin, told me on our podcast they built an engine through uh, powerful tech partnerships between Orion, MoneyGuide, Pro, and, and Lifefield. Data, he said, is the oil that powers the motor. At Wells Fargo, uh, my, our friend Mr. Lirsch explained LifeSync creates, quote, collaborative, fluid, normalized conversations about money. When you provide true advice, really understand what that person is trying to accomplish, it leads to specific areas about investing strategy and more. It may start with an app, but apps won't replace human conversation. At least that's my opinion, and I have yet to be proven wrong in that regard. Honestly, Jack, in my experience, you couldn't be more right. I mean, I deal with a financial advisor as well, and it's definitely the convergence of technology and the human touch that creates the most trust for me working with him. So no doubt is that true. We're getting close to the end of our list here. And your final point that you made is that consumers, participants, and clients all want and need a comprehensive approach to wealth management. And that's a loaded word, comprehensive. So to me, you know, just reading that, it seems obvious, you know, why wouldn't an investor want a full comprehensive approach to wealth management? But, you know, considering what this means to us, maybe explain that and explain why we kind of think this maybe isn't happening or isn't happening as fast as we would like. So to successfully develop a UMH or a comprehensive wealth management platform requires sophisticated and coordinated technologies and a lot of human and financial capital. There are firms, Morgan Stanley is a good example. They've been working on this since 2009. They're the clear leader. They've invested the most time, energy, and money in, in the process, and their work is not done as they would admit. Our industry wasn't built for this comprehensive kind of approach, but it really is now recognizing it's a competitive imperative. We are now in a heated race to build comprehensive ecosystems 
where data is consistent and fluid, where different technologies talk with each other, and a multi-year effort across the enterprise is led by the highest levels of senior management in order to make all this happen. We also have some habits to break. I'm as guilty as anyone. Our industry has had a long-standing habit of product as panacea. It seems to have reached its peak during COVID. Millions of investors flocked to online trading platforms like Robinhood. There was the meme stock frenzy and the capstone cryptocurrency, dare I say it, showed how dangerous it is to rely on a single idea. As a sales and marketing leader for many years, along with many others, I have designed, as many of my colleagues, we have designed, developed, packaged, and promoted an endless stream of products that we rolled out, each purported to be better. As a sales and marketing leader for many years, I, along with many others, have designed, developed, packaged, and promoted an endless stream of products that we rolled out, each purported to be better than the last. Don't get me wrong, products are good, but no single product achieves anyone's financial goals. Stock markets swoon, inflation and tax legislation happen, pandemics aren't new either. As my colleague Paul Samuelson reminds us, history teaches us if we only listen. The work of his father, Nobel laureate Paul A. Samuelson, inspired Vanguard founder Jack Bogle. Their thinking has withstood the test of time and should inform the guidance of advisors to provide to clients. Don't time the market. Stick with your plan even when things get rough. Don't hold concentrated positions, including in your own company or employer. Pay as few taxes as legally possible. Look at your portfolio holistically. Follow that advice and use all the levers available. Investment choice, account selection, asset allocation, asset location, and rebalancing, trades and withdrawals, required minimum distribution or RMD management, and Roth conversions, all to generate the best kinds of outcomes, financial outcomes, for clients, advisors, and firms. All this can be achieved through the confluence of human and digital advice, implementation, and monitoring. So, Jack, before we wrap up and give our three key takeaways, I have one more question that I'd like to ask. So, as an avid listener and producer of this podcast, we do the show every quarter and you provide your quarter over quarter views and review on what you're seeing in the industry. So, my question to you before we wrap up is what's different now or this past quarter versus previous ones that you've done or even just the period of the pandemic? Yeah, all that we've described here has evolved over the past three years. What I've seen since we do this type of show, a kind of quarterly review of what's changed. Since we do it each quarter, what's changed since the last quarter? I think the key thing is that things are accelerating. All this has been in place. Everything we're describing takes time and money, a lot of each time and money, a lot of people. And what we're seeing is it's becoming much more, we're seeing in the daily press, and frankly, a lot of what's going on here, you and I taught me all about it, Matt, is FOMO, fear missing out. People are recognizing that the world is moving in this direction. And I observe an acceleration where there's a greater clarity and understanding of what needs to be done and the work that needs to take place. And that's what's underway. So the good news, I think, for consumers, investors, participants, the good news for advisors and for firms is it's accelerating. It's still going to take time. Progress is being made. Good example is what we talked about with LifeSync and Michael Leersh. That's just come out. They've been working on that thing for a couple of years, but it's now it's in hand. You can literally hold this app and you can start to make important decisions that will have a lifelong effect. So the good news is things are moving quicker. Honestly, as a listener, it's really encouraging to hear 
your answer there in that even though the economy is, you know, quote, rough and things are up and down all the time and very volatile, that companies and firms that are are focused on wealth management and really improving that are investing in technology still. They're still trying to enhance their ecosystems and their processes and all the different things that affect and improve outcomes for their clients and their investors. So, I mean, we see that with through the clients we're working on at Lifefield, but to hear you come through with all the people you talk to and reiterate that, I think it really will land well with our audience on the show. So, look, Jack, this is an amazing episode, as as always, every quarter. But one thing that we do every week as we look to wrap up is what are your key takeaways, three key takeaways specifically that you'd like to share with our audience? Because I know you made a few really impactful, important points today. So frankly, all five headlines matter, but if I had to pick three, here's what I'd say. Planning matters, and you have to implement the plan in a tech-smart, risk-smart way. We're seeing that's being observed across the industry. Purpose matters. Well, once you understand what is important to the client, your advice can be focused on helping them achieve their objectives. So understanding their purpose makes for better advice and better implementation across the board. And the third is managing assets, liabilities, and life decisions in a comprehensive way matters. And that's really what the industry is working on. Uh, the sort of a newer element, or at least I'm, I'm hearing it all over, so it's popping up. And certainly Ken Dykewald's research, which was done during COVID, I underscored this, but this whole notion or concept around making life decisions with a purpose, uh, I think you're going to be hearing more and more about that. And based on the good work we see being done by firms like Morgan Stanley, Edward Jones, Franklin Templeton, Empower, and now uh, Wells Fargo has joined the ranks, consumers, advisors, and firms are all going to win. So uh, it's a very exciting time. Lots more work to be done, but it's great to be part of this industry as we see things unfold in a very constructive and positive way for clients, advisors, and firms. No doubt. I mean, with everything that you said, I'm definitely excited for my future in this industry and all the things that are to come, especially with all the enhancements that our partners and the people we're working with are making. So thank you for reiterating all of that. We're nearing the end, Jack, as we always do. Well, first and foremost, it's been a pleasure speaking with you again on this format. I know we spent a lot of time together, but it's really nice to get in and ask you some questions that maybe we don't always get into on our other daily meetings. So appreciate that. But as we do on every show, we finish with my favorite question. And I think it's your favorite question as well. What's something you do outside of work that you're particularly excited or passionate about that people might find interesting or surprising? So I've answered this question a few times, Matt, and I was giving it some thought as to how I might answer differently. So we weren't so much of a broken record. I'm not so much of a broken record. So here's what I came up with, which actually is probably as important as anything I might share. So my wife and I uh, just spent a week with our son and his wife and their two children, our grandchildren at our home in Vermont. Talk about what matters to me and, and my wife, it's family especially our grandchildren. So I suppose there's nothing interesting or surprising about that, but I was reminded as I took some time away from the day-to-day of our business to remember what is really important in life, and that's family and seeing what our next generation can become. It's a really relevant answer for our show topic today, Jack, so appreciate that. Really nice. Jack, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. For our audience... If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and or share what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you again, Jack. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks, Matt. This has been a lot of fun, as always. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck. 
our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by Life Yield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.